0: Welcome back to Fantastic Lady Day Podcast. I am your host, Carrie Collins, and we are filming this for Mother's Day. Woo! So we're on the cusp of Mother's Day weekend, so I'm not sure exactly what everyone's plans are, um, but I hope it's filled with exciting things this week. Of course, is for all, most of us ladies, um, our one of our designated holidays to to make those in our family remember all the things that we do for them, um, and uh, it's it's an interesting time for women. And I think I definitely want to dedicate a whole episode to to that stuff. But um, but yeah. Uh, Never thought I would have to live in a world where uh, women have to be defined, but here we are. We are in a new age. We are in a new time. I personally don't understand a lot of things, but I'm willing to learn anyway. That's a whole, I digress. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, I actually um, am very, very fortunate. Well, it's kind of a bittersweet, um, and not to get into anybody's personal business, but I am really, really happy, um, that my mom is here living with us. Um, I love my mom. <clears throat> I love my mom. Um, I have a really, really good relationship with her. And especially once I started having her grandbabies, <laughs> <clears throat> um, I definitely have needed her to really help and step in, you know, specifically too, because I have a husband who's in the military. So if anybody who's a military spouse or knows anybody in the military, you know that they're kind of like in and out of things and their commitment, um, to their job can be, um, a little, what's the word disturbing to the family dynamic so having my mom step in and be a huge part of my family unit is is a big deal for me um, honestly with my mental health issues and things like that I don't think that I could have been able to keep these kids alive <laughs> not to sound dramatic but um, anyway let's go ahead and get into this episode with our uh, opening clip. We're going to open it up with a another fantastic lady. Um, so let's go ahead and get into this. Whoops. All right. Here we go. I don't want to be a person. I want to be one of them gargles that sits on top of a building. I think I could do it. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Again, the internet gives us beautiful, beautiful things to kind of get started into. Um, actually, I don't have any plans as of right now. So it's, I try to film like a week ahead of time. So I don't really have any plans for Mother's Day yet. Um, typically, like my daughter and my husband will like get flowers and and they'll do special stuff like that. Um, so we'll see with my mom being here. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to do. We might do something special. We might either, we might go out for lunch or dinner or something. I don't know. Um, my mom, there's the place that I use, I used to work at here in Colorado. Um, It's an acupuncture clinic and they have a reflexologist. And so I treated my mom to a reflexology appointment, which if you haven't done reflexology, I sincerely encourage you to try because it's it's really amazing. It gets a lot of things going. And especially with like physical issues, mental, emotional issues, it really kind of syncs up mind and body. It's a really, really great experience. It's kind of like, um, it's like the massage world of acupuncture (laughs) because she hits a lot of like acupuncture points. Um, But uh, there's a few topics that I wanted to talk about and I just wanted to kind of give like a warning ahead of time. Um, I'm going to talk about um, some things with motherhood that um, I've personally experienced that is not the happy, wonderful side of um, becoming a mom. And, um, and this is going to specifically talk about um, pregnancy loss and things like that. So, I just want to go ahead and just give that out. So, if this isn't your episode, you might want to scroll through. Or if this isn't your episode, then uh, I understand. But um, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um but I guess I just wanted to kind of talk about my personal journey um, through motherhood. Um, I have, I became a mom eight years, almost eight years ago. My daughter will turn eight in June and um, as growing up and um, kind of going through my own family dynamic and um, kind of a little bit about me is um, I had a sibling that was born when I was 12 years old. So we have this major gap. So I kind of got to see from the outside perspective of what it's like very, very early on in my teens, like what it's like to be a mom and take care of a baby and do all that stuff. And so, but, and also coming from a, a dysfunctional family, um, it really put this salty taste in my mouth for having my own children one day because I was like, nah, first, I just didn't want to bring a child into this world that would be like destructive or be so hard as what I had to go through growing up and just the world in general being such a difficult place and just, and also seeing firsthand what it takes to raise a child by yourself. And, um, and so that really, I mean, I honestly, and even my family thought that I just was never going to have kids. Um, and that's what I really thought. Um, until I got older, I think I hit about like 27, 28, where I really started feeling something. I don't know if it was the maternal instinct or whatever, but I just kind of felt like, yeah, maybe, maybe this is for me. Maybe this is something that I want. I'm in a different place in my life, obviously. Um, I don't necessarily have to come from the family dynamic. Like, it would be my own family that I could create. Um, So, my mindset kind of changed. And I think, you know, women who make the decision to be child-free or... And that's a whole other thing is terminology. I'm really starting to, um, in this world, really focusing on vocabulary words (laughs) is kind of like a big deal right now. And so when we use the words childless and child childfree, um, it's very triggering. Um, I think everybody has the right to determine what is right for them, and nobody really has the right to tell somebody. Um, I think you can have healthy debates. I think that you can, you know... Share each other's different experiences, but I think like discriminating or being negative towards any other woman who's made a decision for your for their life or looked down upon for their decisions in their lives is like is not a. It's like if you have too many children for women. I feel like if you have too many children, you're looked at negatively, and if you don't have any children, then you're looked at negatively. And um, and with motherhood, I feel like there's just this whole expectation, um, especially as time has gone on. Um, I grew up in a family where both parents worked and my mom had to take care of the home and do all the, you know, the typical 1950s stuff where you take care of the home and you cook the dinners, but she also had to work full time. Um, and so I think, you know, the world expects women to, um, do be superhuman a hundred percent. And that's not right. And that's not fair. Um, not that, you know, there aren't men out there that don't support their wives and it's a whole other dynamic than, than what society has kind of deemed as the norm. Um, but it's still prevalent that the woman take cares takes care of the house and the children and the man makes, provides, you know, security and finances and all that thing. So, with all that being said, I just never thought until later on in life that um, that I would ever want to have kids. And so, um, you know, met my husband, did all the things, la-la-la-la-la. Um, and when I got pregnant with my first daughter, it was so it was all the first, right? So it's, it's a little scary because you don't know what's happening to your body. You've never experienced, you know, any of this before. Um, and so going through that first pregnancy was so hard. Oh my gosh. I was so sick. I, I am one of those, I don't get so sick where I go into hypergravitum, where you're like constantly just throwing up all of the time and have to be hospitalized with IVs and you're dehydrated. It's a whole thing. Um, but I am usually just super, super nauseous until about 20 weeks, um, with both of my kids. It happened that way. But the first time, like I was just so not used to this. So I actually ended up losing a ton of weight, um, in my first trimester and finally, and then it was a crazy thing. Um, didn't know that they have a medication called Zofran that, they give pregnant women to help with um, the constant nausea and all that stuff. And I didn't know that that caused constipation. And I had severe constipation. Went to the ER a couple times about it. And of course, they don't do anything. They're just like, here, take Miralax. <laughs> so I'm having to down Zofran <laughs> to keep from going up. And I'm having to take Miralax to counteract the side effects of Zofran so that I'd poop. <laughs> It was, it was a whole mess. It was the most uncomfortable time of my life. I mean, it could have been so much worse. But the good thing is, is that I never really had any complications with my daughter until I actually gave birth. And she was three weeks early. I love telling this story. So um, my introduction to motherhood came three weeks early. Um, I had not packed a hospital bag um, I had a whole plan of my mom being here to help us out. She was going to come and help us get ready and clean the house and, and all this stuff and get the, ready for the baby to come Well, that went out the window. Um, <laughs> um, it happened in the middle of the night, I went to bed, whatever, everything was fine. I hadn't felt anything. And, in the middle of the night, I just, all of a sudden I just felt like I peed myself. And so I was like, oh no, well, it wasn't unusual for me to pee myself because obviously if you've been pregnant, there is a baby sitting on your bladder. So losing bowel control and, and bladder control is, let's just face it, it's part of the game. Um, so anyway, um, so I get up, go to the bathroom, whatever. I go lay back down and maybe 10 15 minutes later it happens again. And I was like, well, okay, it's starting to trigger me a little bit and I was like, okay well maybe this is just a fluke and then go back to bed. It happens again and I was like, okay, like I am legit peeing myself and you already probably if you've had babies you already probably know where this is going. And then so the third time I came back and laid in the bed, I started feeling like cramps and things, and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely alarming. Um, it was really alarming, and so I started freaking out, and I woke, finally, I woke up my husband. So, this all started probably about 2.30, 2, 2.30 in the morning, and I woke up my husband, and the cramps just kept intensifying. Still, not even on my brain that this could be labor, again it was my first pregnancy i have no idea i have no scope of anything like i have nothing to to retrieve any sort of experience from and so um so i i woke up my husband and i was just like i'm really it's really starting to hurt so he called the nurses line at the hospital that we were going to deliver at and by that, by the time he was talking to the nurse, like I was definitely in pain. And so he was describing everything that was happening. And so she said, well, just go, just go to the ER. You know, she could be in labor, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and so (laughs) ipso facto, everything just intensifies, intensifies, intensifies. And, um, every time I have a contraction, which I still in the car, wasn't thinking that those contractions, even though the nurse was like, you know, telling things I was already out of my body and hysterical because of the pain. And, uh, by the time I think we got to the hospital, maybe like five, six in the morning, um, by the time they checked me in, had me on the table to do an examination, ER just immediately said, go out to labor and delivery. Um, and by the time they had me on the table and did a pelvic exam, they, <laughs> I remember, they were like, oh, we see your daughter's hair. And so, I was already dilated, I think, to like an eight or a nine. <laughs> And we weren't ready, and I immediately looked up at my husband, and I just was like, are you ready to be a parent today? And I think we were both just in shock because we still had three weeks left till my due date. And uh, we, we had literally nothing but the phones, wallets, and clothes that we were wearing. That's all we brought to the hospital. And I was full hysterics. Um, by the time I I was in the examination room and, um, they had to bring in a midwife to kind of like slap me around and get me together because I was just fully just like freaking out. And so she, she kind of manhandled me a little bit, but she was okay. It was nice to have her in there because I gave birth in a military hospital, which I don't recommend. It's also a, um, educational hospital. So there's like, a hundred people in my room looking at my vagina. (laughs) Um, I think definitely having a baby is a very humbling experience, but by the time you have a baby doing any sort of pelvic exam or anything of that nature is like, so like, I I literally, I was on display for like a hundred people to watch and experiment on. So, Um, having a pelvic exam and, in with just me and a doctor is, is perfectly fine. (laughs) Um, so anyway, and it was just a crazy experience and they gave me the, I forget what the drug is that they give you before the epidural, which doesn't do anything. Don't even waste your time with that. Don't pay the money to get that because it doesn't do anything other than make you feel like a drug addict. And I think I did like three pushes and she was out. They, um, I did have the start of high blood pressure and they were thinking that I was going to preeclampsia. Um, but I mean, I was already in labor. Like there's nothing, like I just need to get the baby out. Like that's the only way to really relieve preeclampsia is to get the baby out. So if you're, I mean, even if you're at, you know, 20 something weeks, and you're experiencing preeclampsia, they have to take the baby out. they That's literally the only way that it relieves, well, it, it relieves in the mother. Um, but anyway, she was fine. She's healthy, everything. And so that was my introduction. And it, I'm, I'm kind of zooming through a lot of the details, but um, it was a very traumatic birth. Um, it was not a great experience. It's not what I wanted. Um, it felt rushed, it felt I I it felt like if my husband wasn't wouldn't have been there, I, I would have felt just so completely unsafe. I definitely felt like my whole experience that I should have had was kind of taken away from me because I was so drugged up. I didn't feel like anybody cared. Or was taking care of me. I just felt really unsafe, and it was everything. I was just so unprepared for it too, because we weren't expecting it to happen, and so it was just very, it was very very disheartening. Like I never, I always had the love for her. The minute they put her on my chest, I was like, oh my god, this is my baby. She's never leaving this space. She is safe here with me. I love this baby so much, but. Um, I couldn't tap into the moment and process it. And so finally we get back to, or we finally get um, to the postpartum room, um, which if you've ever had an epidural, um, eventually they try to get you to get up. They try to get you to get up and um, go to the bathroom. So the epidural that they gave me because they gave it to me so late. And sometimes it just happens with women. I don't know why. It just is a thing. Um, it only took on my right side. <laughs> so um, I still had plenty of feelings. So I could kind of hop to the bathroom. when the, Immediately when I stood up, like obviously you just went through birth. There's a lot of fluid. There's a lot of things happening. <laughs> a lot of things happening. And I s- immediately stood up. And of course, it's a male nurse which makes you feel real good. And uh, all this fluid just came out and went all over his shoes. (laughs) So that was a very humbling experience. And so I hobbled my way, fell into the toilet a couple times, but I mean, it was fine. Um, Finally wheeled us back to the postpartum room. And my husband obviously had to go home and get our bags and get stuff for us and let the dog out and all that. And it wasn't until I remember the moment, like I was sitting on the edge of the bed with and holding my daughter, she was asleep and I was singing to her baby mine, which was one of my favorite songs. And uh, it was then that just the blood, everything connected in that moment, what had happened, everything was kind of processing as I was holding her and, um, came back into my body and was very present in that moment. And, and that's when I had my moment that was stolen from me. Um, and yeah, but um, one of the things I really want to talk about is my journey, becoming a parent, becoming a mom. Um, I don't think that my situation is a lot different than uh, or what I've experienced and what I felt becoming a mom is a lot different than most people but um, I think I do have a unique situation in the fact that we do have the military element which changes the dynamic of your family a hundred percent. And so it was very hard um, becoming a parent, being married to a military person, and kind of navigating everything. I mean, you know, you have your postpartum um, or what they call the fourth trimester. Um, shortly after I had my daughter, I now understand I began feeling um, panic attacks. Like, I think four days, excuse me, four days after I had her, we. This, we were living in Virginia at the time, Virginia Beach, and we bundled her bundled her up or whatever, put her in the carrier, and we went out to the beach. And I just remember just feeling like she's going to die. Um, she's going to overheat, and she's going to die. And I had a full-on, my very first panic attack I've ever had. I didn't know at the time. It was very mild but I was just so emotional. And of course, you know, you have your hormones running crazy. Your body has just been hit by a dump truck. And, um, and so we, we, we left and I remember going like later on, she was much older, maybe one or two months later. And, um, we were going on a walk. Um, and again, feeling that panicky, like she's going to die. Something's going to happen. She's going to die. And I just really wrote those off. Because I've always li- I lived with some sort of anxiety, so that's not anything new for me. What I didn't understand at the time until much, much later is, is those are my body's warning signs that something is wrong. Um, and I also got diagnosed with high blood pressure um, after giving birth to my daughter. I was 32. <laughs> so... Um, Anyway, I I didn't realize until way later that I did suffer from postpartum anxiety. I think people talk about postpartum depression and all the things that go with that, but not a lot of people talk about postpartum anxiety and this constant feeling like your baby is going to die. Like I still to this day, I will get these visions of my children falling off the building or falling to their death or getting eaten or just some sort of like horrific, like unrealistic (laughs) thing, uh, a way of dying. Um, And so, yeah, I just, I didn't realize that at the time, but I was experiencing postpartum anxiety. Um, And it just, as the years went on, that just intensified. So I had my daughter in June And by October, we moved to Florida for my husband's next duty station. And um, so I'm still, you know, obviously in the middle of postpartum. And getting used to all that, I think I felt like that was okay. um, Until she got her, she got a really, really bad flu when she was like six or seven months old. But also, my husband told me um, that he had volunteered to go on, like, a two- or three-month deployment um, without talking to me about it, and so... I'm coming, like my baby is sick. If you've ever had a, if you have ever had an infant that's had a flu, it usually lasts for about a week. And then you have another week of like the residual stuff. So you basically don't sleep for a very long time and, you know, never, and never really going through it. Like babies can't tell you what's wrong. It was very intense, um, to go through and definitely triggered all my anxiety. And then also literally like, my husband's going to be gone for two or three months. So I had planned on going back to Oklahoma and staying with our family. And that's really, that's the hard part of my life. And I, I hold resentment with, um, is like, I have had these babies and he goes on deployment. He goes away or he's not available. And, for the first couple of years, I had to really, um, especially with him being on a ship this time, I had to navigate being a parent a lot of the times alone, um, dealing with all of her needs and all of her firsts and not making sure she's hitting milestones and, and all this stuff. Um, and so eventually as I got through, as I went through this, my anxiety got worse and worse. and. Um, I went into like a survival mode, um, a self-preservation. So by the time he, um, started, so the way it worked with when he was on the ship is they had a deployment that was already set or they were going to go on. And so working out to that, he would be gone for a week, and then be back for a month. Be gone for three months. Back for a month. It would. It was always. It was just so disruptive because we would integrate him back into the family, and then he'd go. I would have help for a little while, and we get used to that, and then he'd go. And so it was really um, not. It wasn't consistent with anything that we would set up. Um, it was very disruptive. Um, you know, the times that he was around, it was great because I had help and I had, I could have a break. I could just have a break and, and do some self-care that I've been wanting to do. Because remember, I'm still in postpartum and my husband's gone all the time. And so I don't have any time to repair what is happening to me. So I'm just getting more deficient and more deficient. And the anxiety is causing even more of that. Um, and then throw in hurricanes throw in sicknesses, baby sicknesses and throw in the hurricane that we've had to, we had to escape two hurricanes, haven't had hurricanes in a, in a long time. And then we fucking move there and there's two in two years. Right. So of course that's my luck. Um, and so the hurricane sent me over the edge. The first hurricane I ended up, uh, we went, we escaped to a hotel I went to the wrong, I don't know how it happened, but I didn't get the right directions and to the right hotel. And I ended up finding the last room in the desolate area that we were in. Um, And he ended up giving it to me, I think because I had the baby. Ended up having like six panic attacks back to back. Never had a full blown panic attack in my life. Um, And so finally, you know, when my husband went on deployment, um, I was just like, I have to go. Because if there were hurricanes, all of the military members had to get on their ships. And the ships had to go out to sea so that the, the hurricane wouldn't hit the ships and they would be able to do relief and all those kinds of things. So, he wasn't even available during those times to help me in my panicky states. Um, and whew, I'm releasing a lot on this podcast, you guys. <laughs> this might be a long one. And... So yeah, that's basically has been the theme of my husband being in the military. Now that's when he was in active duty. He's in the reserves right now. Um, but I still, anyway, it's still difficult being in the reserves, but, um, and so after he finally, after he finally, um, got back from his deployment, you know, we, we ended up moving here to Colorado and everything, but, um it was just becoming a parent was so traumatic too. And I honestly was like, I don't think, I don't think I can have any more kids. I mean, we got rushed into having kids because again, with the military, um, it was either have your kids, have a baby a year after marriage, like get pregnant right away and have a baby now or wait, four years or something or wait till like after deployment because I knew I, I was not going to have a baby by myself. No, that's not happening. I mean, I knew a lot of women who did and no shame in their game. I I commend those women who are strong enough to do that. It's not me. So I was either have a baby now or wait four or five years. And luckily, you know, because of my situation, which I'll get into in a second, um, I didn't wait. Um, so everything has just been rushed. <clears throat> and everything has been rushed and there's no support system put in place. I live far away from family. I have nobody to help me. I get no breaks. I'm in postpartum. It just gets worse. My anxiety depletes me even more. So by the time my husband goes on deployment and I'm back in Oklahoma, thank God I was working for a naturopath that helped me get my, myself back together. Um, I started kind of rebuilding that. Um. So this is the segment that um I'm gonna get into that is gonna be triggering for anybody who has suffered through any sort of loss. Um. So I would definitely scroll through. Um. But yeah. So anyway. So I, she finally gets leveled out. Everything is fine. Um. Whatever. Um. But. I knew at a certain point, like, I definitely knew that we were going to have, that we wanted to have uh, another child, more children. And so when my husband got back from deployment, I got pregnant right away. Um, And our, cause our daughter was already four. And I knew coming from my own personal experience, like having siblings that are 12 years, like I didn't want a super big gap between the ages of my children, And, um, and so I was like, I knew whenever he got back from deployment, like I wanted to really start trying to have a baby again. And I got pregnant right away. It was super exciting. Um, I got to make the phone call to my husband that I'm pregnant. Everything was great. We're getting ready to move to Colorado because we were going to try to start a life. He wanted to get on the police department here. And, um, so we're trying to make that happen. And. Five weeks into the pregnancy, I remember I was standing, I was cooking dinner, and I started feeling a little crampy, which is not out of the norm. I had some bleeding with my daughter, so I was just like, okay, well, you know, whatever, it is, it's whatever. Um, But I realized as the night went on, like, I was definitely scared, because I think in me knew something was wrong, and... um I, lost my, I remember I lost my appetite, and I was just like, I'm just going to go lay down because I'm kind of freaking out. Um, so as the night went on, like, the cramps got worse. By the time the morning came, I was spotting. By the time I got to the ER, I had a full-blown, like, menstrual, like, it was a lot of blood gushing. Um, and that's when they did the ultrasound, and they told me that I was having a miscarriage. Um, They were like, yeah, um, we see the sac and it's near the opening of the cervix. And he was like, either this, you know, it got there because it's starting, like the miscarriage is starting and it's flushing it out or it implanted wrong. Either way, it's a miscarriage. And um, if you've never had one, it definitely, it's more intense It's in between, like, your regular period and contraction, like, the first stages of contractions. It's very painful, and you can, and you feel an actual contraction, like, because every time I would release blood, like, it would gush blood. It's going to get graphic. It would gush blood out, like, your water is breaking, And it was just so heartbreaking. I was devastated, but there was still like a lot of hope because, you know, a lot of women go on to um, having healthy pregnancies after a miscarriage, right? So I was like, okay, well, they told me, you know, wait a couple months, give your body a couple months to get on like some full cycles, like a couple full cycles and then try again. And so again, we waited two or three months, got pregnant, bam. And then this time was different because this time it actually started progressing and I was feeling, um, pregnancy symptoms and I even got up to my first appointment at eight weeks <clears throat> and I remember the day, um, I was so excited and it was snowing that day. We were in Colorado by this point and, um, I remember my husband was sitting eating breakfast and I was like, isn't it a beautiful day to see our baby? I'm sorry. It's this one breaks me every time. Um, so, um, I hadn't really noticed any symptoms subsiding. I mean, I noticed like I was only getting nauseous maybe a little bit at night, but not, like, intensely like I had with my other pregnancy. Um, And so, anyway, I get to... Let's just get into it. I, I get to the room. They hook me up, and I am watching her, ready for her to say, here's your baby, and she keeps looking, and it takes longer than normal. And she... Before she does anything, um, she turns the screen towards me as she's looking for it for the baby, looking at the baby. So I see him. I see the baby. I don't know if it was a boy or a girl. Um, and then that's when she starts turning the screen back towards her and she, the room just the room just goes silent. And she was like, I'm not seeing a heartbeat. She's like, but I'm going to get one of the doctors and have somebody take a second look. And so another doctor comes in and she's doing the same things. And that's when they said, yes, there's no heartbeat. And um, that's when they... Are giving you options for either um, waiting it out and just letting your body naturally miscarry. Um, they have pills, uh, which I 100% do not recommend. They do so much damage Or um, having a DNC. Um, I ended up having a DNC, which they go in and they surgically remove everything. I'm sorry. It's very. This one hurts because this one I saw. I saw its little body. That was that was my baby. That I lost. Oh. Oh, Ah, it's still traumatic to this day. I celebrate its birthday. Every year um, on its due date, it was November 17th is when it was due. Uh, So that one almost destroyed me. Um, That was the hardest one to get over because I I saw it. I saw I I, I could put a, a body to the idea of having a baby. I think that's what's hard, you know, when you have such an early pregnancy, sometimes there is, like, a bit of a disconnect because, you know, you don't have, like, a physical body, but I saw a physical body. And I wish I would have gotten ultrasound pictures of it, but I just have it in my head for me and my husband to see for the rest of our lives. Um, so that was really traumatic. And it's really weird because after a DNC, like, your body just... I mean, I felt like I was not pregnant. Everything just stopped. And it took me a really, really long time to recover after that. After that, my hope of having another baby was severely diminished. And that's when I started understanding the concept of secondary infertility. Um... And realizing, you know, that's what I had. And so, um, I... And then I ended up, like, the following year, like, I ended up getting pregnant again. And, of course, miscarrying again. So, this is my third miscarriage. And that one was super early, too. That was, like, four or five weeks. And um, it was just... Like, by the third one, all hope was gone. Um, and then I ended up getting, like, so I got pregnant a, a, a third time that following year in October. And then the next following year in 2021, I got pregnant again. This was the fourth time, and I miscarried again. And at that point, I was pregnant had four miscarriages. This is, what if this is not meant to be? So I was like, well, I can't give up. I know I still have some, there's something still in there. It may not be hope, but it's just, there's something in there. And so I started working with a fertility clinic and, um, they ran all my tests and everything. And it, the quality basically the number and the quality of my eggs were very, very low. And uh, um, so I did all these treatments. She put me on progesterone suppositories and was like, okay, well, we'll let you try four or three times. And if it ends in miscarriage or you can't get pregnant by that time, then we'll talk, you know, in vitro or IVF. And so I was just, I, in my mind, after four miscarriages, I was like, I'm going to have to do IVF. Like, this is just, I'm going to have to have medical assistance to do this. Or we were looking at adoption too. um Because IVF and all the chemicals that you have to do, if you've ever been through it, it it's very, very intense on your body. And then plus having to go through pregnancy, like it would have really had to be something that I had a lot of support with because pregnancy already does a, like too much on my body to handle. And then to also do IVF on top of a pregnancy, I just don't know how well that would have worked for me. Um, and then I ended up getting pregnant in January. I found out like we had tried and I ended up getting pregnant in january and you guys to tell you i was terrified is an understatement cuz when you've lost, you know, multiple times not once, not twice, but multiple times every minute everything that you do, everything that you think about is like is this going to last? trying to just be like, okay, i'm just going to go into this and it is what it is. i've been through four already. I could probably do another one. I mean, I knew if I were to have another miscarriage, I would have just ended it and gone straight to IVF for adoption because I could not do any more losses. And uh, we, I remember with working with the fertility clinic, they check on you a lot more. So we got a lot more um, doctor's appointments and we our first doctor's appointment was at 6 weeks cuz you can hear the heartbeat at 6 weeks. So we go in and um I get, you know, anyway, we get on the table, she does the she's she's doing the ultrasound. And I get on and I hear the most beautiful sound in the world. She shows me his heart and it's just beating and I just it's like that whole Three years, I felt like I was holding my breath. And in that moment, I just felt my body just release. I wasn't safe, but I just felt like in that moment, there was a little bit of relief. It wasn't like I, I never felt comfortable during that whole pregnancy until he was in my arms. But we just kept going back eight weeks, ten weeks. He's measuring correctly. His heart is beating so hard. And we get to our 12 weeks and we graduate to our regular OB. And, um, I knew that we wanted to keep it until I was, you know, far later on in the pregnancy. Cause that's a whole other thing is like having to go back and like tell your family members like, oh, I've miscarried again. And, uh, anyway, um, it was, it was. It was so scary because I mean, I just was, I knew like I was just not guaranteed to have a baby to come home. And and at any any point in that pregnancy, things could change. But he just kept doing beautifully. I mean, he he was perfect. My body, of course, you know, went to hell in a handbasket, but I ended up. Having to be treated for preeclampsia and it was a whole thing at labor and delivery. But um, the thing I did want to, last thing I wanted to talk about on it was um, my labor and delivery experience because of my high blood pressure and the worry for preeclampsia, which I kind of possibly could have had. And with my last pregnancy and labor and delivery, um, that we decided that we were going to induce this time. Oh my God, it was. The best thing ever especially for somebody who has anxiety being able to like plan out and like no okay I'm having a baby today was great his labor and delivery healed so much of that trauma that I had with my daughter um I was so in control of things they were even impressed with when it came to like the pushing time they were just so impressed with my like energy and my just everything just my power in that. And I, it, that's what it really was, was me being able to like take back my power. And um, it was just so nice. We got there at six, six o'clock in the morning. They didn't start doing the Pitocin to start labor until about 10. So I just kind of was able to like get my room set up how I wanted, get my blankets, get my to- toiletries, go to the bathroom, you know, da 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 um, I rolled on a ball, like never got to do that. (laughs) And it just felt like just so soft and gentle. And oh my God, those nurses. So I went, I, um, the nurses at St. John's Lutheran Hospital in Wheat Ridge are absolute angels. Um, I mean, they did great with trying to monitor all my blood pressure stuff. And it was that I was just a mess on that. End of things, but it was just such a beautiful experience. And he came out, and he they put him on my chest, and I just had that moment that I wished that I would have had with my daughter. And I was just so happy and just crying because I was just so happy that this was even a possibility. Because coming from all of that miss or miscarriage stuff, I just was like, I didn't even think that this was going to be happening to me again. And uh, yeah, I. Uh, I was very blessed in that moment. And I have my son who is going to be two in September. He is an absolute menace and has given me even more gray hairs (laughs) than my daughter did. But I cherish both of my children and I'm so glad that um, they chose me as their mom. So I feel like we got really heavy into this and we need to lighten this up. I thought we would get into some celebrity stuff (laughs) Get into some clips. And then, um, yeah. So, um, there's a lot of celebrities this year that uh, and did a bunch of pregnancy announcements. And uh, I think one of the biggest ones, obviously, was at the Super Bowl when bad girl Ray rage sh- you know, showed up and did the damn thing. So, I was going to sh- go through. I was going to go. Th- I'm going to try to get myself together because this is just ridiculous. But... Um, yeah, I wanted to go through some of these celebrities that were kind of a shocking. Okay, so yeah, first one that we had was Rihanna, um, who shocked the world with her, uh, first of all, doing her whole, uh, Super Bowl halftime show pregnant. I mean, I love, I've always loved Rihanna, but I mean, you have, I have a, a whole other level of love for her in this red space suit with the booby cups. I'm obsessed. Um, that was a good one. Biggest mind blow was Lindsay Lohan, guys. here She is so cute and so deserving. Can we just talk? I mean, she has just come through so much and it has overcome a lot, um... As, we, as we've seen also with like Amanda Bynes and Britney Spears and all that. I mean, being a child star ain't no, uh, ain't no little thing. It takes a very strong person and obviously has almost broken, you know, these women. But she is just so deserving and it's so exciting um, to see her kind of go into this new journey and, uh, yeah, I was really excited about that one. I was not expecting it at all. Um, but I'm just, it's so, it's such a sweet, it's such a sweet thing. I, I am definitely a Lindsay Lohan stan. Um, so. This one was kind of shocking. Um, Hilary Swank, she's, like, straight up in her 50s, isn't she? And announcing twins. Like, what? Um, um, so yeah, I'm just I mean, and of course, of course, she slays with the nude pick because she's definitely of that generation that you know did the the nude pick stuff, um very, very cool, um and it's really inspiring, especially somebody like myself who has gone through the fertility. Struggles to see, like, I think Alanis Morissette had her third baby at like 45. So it's really sweet and and very encouraging um, to see women in their older years, um, more mature years, um, being able to give birth and things like that. So, um, and I know that uh, Anne Hathaway had opened up about her fertility struggles too, which was really, really helpful because that was kind of in the middle of when I was having struggles uh game changer Serena Williams hello gonna be such the cute mom I'm very excited for this one she debuted her bump at the Met Gala this past whatever it was oh my god loves she's so pretty her and her sister Venus so cute Just loving on that baby bump. But, um, so that's really, that's really, really exciting, too. Um, and, okay, so there was other, there were other, um, celebs that came out, but this one, I was, what? I will forever and always love. Okay, let me just, if you are a 90s kid, like, grew up in the 90s. And you watched My So-Called Life. First of all, Jared Leto. Thank you very much. Second of all, Claire Danes was a sleigh in the mid-90s. Um, so I am so excited. She's 43, I think. Because what I saw. Yeah, 43. Pregnant with her third. She, they already have two other kids from like way long time ago. And so she's pregnant again. I was so excited. I was so excited about this. Um, and very, again, Stan. Stan, 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 Stan. Let's get into some clips, shall we? Let's really lighten this mood with some with some clips here. Um, some of these, I think I've, tr- I've tried to be really... Um, on theme with things. Sometimes I don't always, (laughs) sometimes I don't always do it, but you know, it is what it is. Um, okay. So here we go. Hi, Kayla Sullivan here reporting live from my child's playroom, where as you can see, a light brown substance is all over the floor here. I can confirm it is chocolate milk. Authorities are working to find the person responsible for this mess. The main suspect at this time is described as a four-year-old boy who was told not to bring the drink out of the kitchen. When asked whether he brought the milk anywhere else in the home, the child replied with a very detailed denial, saying, quote, I did not spill the chocolate milk in my Pueblo, Mommy. The response was suspicious, to say the least, and will be submitted as evidence in the upcoming trial. Back to you. I mean how many times have we moms told our kids? I mean, it's a constant struggle. That's the that's the struggle right now. My husband's always angry because um our furniture just has so many stains and is just it's you can't have nice things. When you have kids, you can't have nice things. <laughs> but here's an upstanding mother that I really appreciate. I love that one. Just she, the last minute. Just freaked out. Good times. Um, okay, here we go. More cute kids doing cute things. Oh, nice. <laughs> Who doesn't love farts? Fart jokes make the world go round. Oh, Lordy. Oh, my God. This one. Oof. I'm your mom and I think you're going to be a girl. I am not. Go. I'm your dad. You're the who? Nah, nah, nah. ain't don't wait, Hey, Oh. Straight up 12-year-olds. 12-year-olds. Babies having babies. Not a good, not a good look. Not a good look. This one is another, is one of my personal favorites. Just, you know, a little get back at your kids later in life. You know, you always have to have that as a parent. You always have to know, like, one day you can get them back for raising hell in your life. So here we go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta pull over. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. Don't grab the Hold on, I'm pulling over. Oh, I feel really sorry for her though Like not gonna lie Oh my gosh Alright This one is a little bit more of an intense one And I feel like this Completely explains What I experience So This is my situation I'm a mother of young children I'm often in a state of survival mode I find myself rushing, late, and feeling behind with a lot of things. I am needed by many all at once, and there is only one of me. I am running on an empty tank much of the time. But I've also never loved so hard or so easily. I am growing in ways I cannot always see right now. I am always doing more than I allow myself to realise, and I am living in the fullest season of life to date. So I may be surviving, but I'm also flourishing. That one got me got me straight in my feels. I'm not gonna cry, I'm not gonna cry. This one we're gonna get it racked, we're gonna reel it back in, we're gonna go to the cringe. Remember, I said that there are some people from the underbelly. This is that person. <laughs> like I like I understand I'll I'll say let's just say I understand the fetish and all that stuff but why put it on the internet like what process of hey I need to film this for thousands and thousands of people to see I just, people amaze me. People amaze me in their thought process. I want to send all of the moms out there a a happy, most happiest Mother's Day. But I also want to send you out on this message. This one is near and dear to my heart. What do I want for Mother's Day? I want to not take care of anyone who's come in or out of my vagina. (laughs) That is a thought. That is a thought that sent me a little bit reeling to realize literally every person in my household has been inside of my vagina. So I leave you with that. (laughs) Thanks guys for um, watching, for joining me today. Hope you have a great Mother's Day weekend. Tell a mom that you love them, even if you don't know. If you know a military mom, reach out and tell them that you, you're there for them. You're part of their village. Um, so yeah, join me again next Friday. Every Friday, I'm going to try to post a new episode. Uh, got some fun things coming up. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you and hope you guys have a fantastic lady day. Bye, everyone.